I'm going to have you turn to a couple of verses. Uh, one of them will be in Luke. I don't, I don't think I'm going to read it um, right off the bat, but that's, that's one for sure that I'm going to have you turn to in Luke chapter 5. Uh, we are uh, in, a, in a series just for the, for the month of January because it's New Year. New wanted to do a series that kind of expressed some things about being new. As a matter of fact, the title of the series is All Things New. And the big idea of this series is, is, is pretty simple. It's, it's just this. If you commit yourself to God, he will bring the best design out of you. If you commit yourself to God, it's putting your place before him. And, and, and no matter what, every, we oftentimes talk about seven areas of life that deals with social and psychological and emotional and parental and marriage and financial and physical. No matter what manner of aspect of life. If you submit that to God, I'm telling you, he's going to bring the best design out for you and you'll be able to embrace life and the things that God brings before you, life brings before you in a manner that God wants you to live those out to the fullest. And I do know this, the scripture tells us Jesus spoke about this and we see it all through the old Testament, even that God is a God that's determined to do good for us. This is not a God that made us and created us and wanted anything to go bad. He really is a God of love and a God of grace and a God of goodness. Before we saw his grace, we saw his goodness. Before we saw his grace, his intent for man was always to be good. We see that from the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look at the scriptures and from day one through five, after he created he said it was good. After he'd done what he did on day one and day two, he, the day ended with him saying it was good. After day six, the day that he created man, the day that he looked upon creation, he said it is very good. It is very good. The, the, the heart of God toward mankind in what he has created for us was for us to enjoy a very good life. God set no one up for destruction. God set no one up uh, for a life to go bad. Never was his intent from day one. Now, we do know this though, that we also have an enemy. That also began in the Garden of Eden. The one who had a mindset to do absolutely counter to what God was intending. We call him Satan, we call him the devil, we call him the accuser, we call him the antichrist, we call him the booger, whatever, whatever it is that you call him. Jesus said this, he said uh, that he, talking about Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he comes to do. And it's because of some of the effects that Satan has been allowed to have in our life that some of us are, are marred. All of us are, I guess we should say, not some. All of us are marred. All of us have been damaged. All of us to some degree are, are damaged goods. Um, I don't know, we're spoiled milk, rotten apples, crackpots. Let's make it simple. We're jacked up because of what Satan has been allowed to do in our life. There is no one, not a soul, that's lived on this planet that can say, without God, I'm okay. Not a soul, not a one. 
if you are okay without Christ Jesus, then you don't need to come to this church no longer. You don't need to hear another gospel message. You don't need to hear nothing else about the cross. Because Jesus says, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. None of us was born and can say, because I'm here, Tyrone P. Jones, you will have life and you will have it more abundantly. That will not go very well because we're all in the same basket needing the love of Jesus Christ. Y'all doing all right? Now, the rest of my message is going to go that way. So if you feel like you're doing really, really well without Jesus, I'm going to get, we're going to all pause for a minute. You can go ahead and leave right now. It's quite all right because we, we want you to know that we love you the way that you are. I thought I was talking to the right church. Now, so this is what we also know. We also know this, that the scripture says with all of our being marred and stained and tainted and broken, that Jesus said, well, Paul repeated it, but in Ephesians chapter two, that the object of God in our life is for us to be on display for all the coming ages to see the infinite goodness and mercy and grace of God in our life. It's his intent for us to be on display. Now the words on display there in Ephesians chapter two, seven is basically saying God's intent is for all of us to be in a trophy case so he can show the world, look what I can do in a person's life. Look what I can do on display. But we need help getting there. We need the Lord to help us get there. The one thing I know, and, and, and many times maybe we got to make note to self, I cannot unmar me. I cannot uncrack me. I cannot unstain me. I cannot untaint me. I cannot unrotten me. I cannot unbreak me. We can't do that on our own. Listen, broken vessels can't fix a broken vessel. And so we need the Lord to be the one to do that. There is a passage in the scripture and it's in, it's in uh, he, uh, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 18. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, I think this might uh, be on the screen. It's Jeremiah, the Lord is telling him, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And the reason that he told Jeremiah that is because before Jeremiah was born, the scripture says he was called to be a prophet to the nation of Israel at a time when they needed to know that God still loved them, God still cared about them, God was going to help them, God was going to be with them. All the covenant promises were still yes and amen. Jeremiah was called to remind the nation of that. They were still living outside of the counsel of God and outside of the will of God. And, and the more you do that, just, just as a side note, the more you live outside of God's word and outside of God's will and outside of the way that God intended for you to live, there's no way in the process of that that life will ever get better. It can't get better. We're designed to live according to the plan of the creator. That's, that's just the plan. I didn't make it that way. God made it that way. 
But since he created me, he's got every right to tell me how to live. He's got every right to tell us how to live. So the nation kept going backwards, kept doing things. And Jeremiah comes along. The Lord tells him, you're going to be the prophet and you're going to call them back to faith. On our reading calendar, all the way through the first 17 chapters of Jeremiah, he's seeing them only getting worse and worse. To the point that even Jeremiah said to the Lord, you deceived me. You had me believing that when I proclaimed the word to them, that they were going to hear the message and they were going to line up. But they were stoning them. They were throwing them in rooms, putting them in holes, telling them don't come back and preach anymore. He told the Lord, you're deceiving me because I believe that this was going to happen. And so the Lord tells Jeremiah in chapter 18, I want you to go to the potter's house. And he takes him to the potter's house. And again, I think the scriptures is on the, on the screen. And he gets to the potter's house and the Lord tells him, do you see what the potter is doing? In his hands was a vessel that's marred. It's not coming out right. It's not looking good. But it's that potter that had the ability to take that marred vessel and reshape that vessel so that when he looked at it, it was good to the potter. And the Lord is basically telling Jeremiah, you're the vessel that I'm using as the voice. But the Lord is saying, but I'm the potter. I'm the one that takes that vessel that's marred and stained and broken, and I'm the one that makes it good. It's a message to all of us that redemption is in the hands of God to us. God works redemption in our life. And he's the one that's making us and shaping us according to his purposes and his plan. He's the potter. He's the one that can reshape us. He's the one that can reform us. He's the one that puts us back together in the right manner. And he has a manner in which he does that. The New Testament tells us what that manner is. There's a show, some of you might have scanned it and seen it and maybe not stayed too long on it, but sometimes some of the pictures when you're scanning the channels just kind of get your attention for a minute. Any of you ever seen that show or ran across that show called Botched? Some, few of it, not. It's a show about folks who have had some plastic surgery that really went bad. And some of these pictures are, are hard to look at. I mean, it, things really went bad. But these two surgeons, uh, plastic surgeons, people go to them and, you know, reality show, etc. And their intent, their purpose is, is to take those botched plastic sur- uh, uh, surgeries and remake the people to look in the manner that they had intended when they first had plastic surgery. Now, this, is, this is, is what I know. Anything that they do to them, and thank God there's people who can do those things, but anything they do to them is all external. They can, be, they can go from botched externally, externally and looking a whole lot better externally because of what those surgeons have done, but it does nothing about the inside of them. It does nothing about what may be happening in the heart and in the mind. And how many know, how many know we can have a beautiful exterior. Folks can have a real Christmas face and have a Halloween heart, right? Can really, what's, what's happening on the outside is not reflecting what's really going on on the inside. And Jesus has a plan for that. There's a passage I want you to go to. It's in Luke chapter five. And I'll just read three verses. It's, it's among 
a whole uh, section that has some meaning, and I'll talk just briefly about it. But verses 36 through 39, it says, he also told them a parable. This is Luke, sorry, Luke 5, 36. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Verse 39, and no one after drinking old wine desires new for he says the old is good. We'll come back to that. Jesus is giving a little parable and well first uh, just so uh, everybody knows the meaning of those passages because I'm actually just going to illustrate the application but the meaning of the passages are and it deals with fasting even above it Jesus is talking to the disciples of John and he's also talking to the Pharisees and the disciples of John even though they were further along than the Pharisees looking toward the Messiah they still were practicing some old things they were, they were still uh, doing the things of the old covenant, some of the old practices, the old sacrifices, the manner of following the Torah, the old law. They were still doing those things. And Jesus comes along and he's giving them some new information on what God wants to do for the kingdom. He wants to take it from the old covenant into a new covenant. And they're asking Jesus, then why don't you guys fast? Why don't this happen this way? Why isn't this going on? And Jesus says, basically, what you're, what you're wanting me to do is take the new and combine it with the old. But Jesus says, the new cannot combine with the old because the old is not able to handle the new. You following that? You can't take the new principles of the kingdom of God in the new covenant and put them with the old covenant teachings and traditions and make it work. He uses the illustration of patching clothes. Now, those of you that are under the age of 40 don't know nothing about this. You don't know nothing about it. When I grew up, we didn't go outside with our clothes with holes in them. We just didn't do it. And I still don't see why you pay the same amount for clothes with holes in them than you do for the ones that don't. I still don't get it. Jean companies are making a whole lot of profit off you. But anyway, and Austin's clothes don't even go off. Never mind. But it's, it's a whole another subject. And we also used to keep our pants up with a belt too. That's just another statement. But, but, but for those of you that's under 40, let me just explain to you. There's this thing called a patch. And so when you wore your clothes to the point where maybe they got a little hole in them and your parents just couldn't afford to buy you new clothes, we would, you, they would get this thing called a patch. Nobody mocked people who had patches on because they still look neat. <laughs> but what would happen is when the clothes were washed and, and you put, but if you put, if you didn't wash the patch, if you put the new patch on, and then wash the clothes, then the patch would shrink, it would tear away from the cloth, and it looks worse than it did before. So Jesus was using the illustration, can't take new, put it on old. You got to do something with the old to make it ready for the new. 
So you guys understand what, what he's saying. Now, let me just get on to the application and, and, uh, and get on with it. The other thing that he talked about, wow, perfect. Applicable wise, very good. The other thing he talked about was wineskins. Back in that day, what they would do, they would take either goats or some kind of animal. And uh, once they cut it, they would take the skin of it and they would put it in a fashion uh, in which it could, it could hold, it could hold uh, fluid, whether it be water, whether it be milk, whether it be wine. And that's how they would store things. And uh, these were made out of leather. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. These are, back when I was growing up, I would see these more often. These are very hard to get now. I mean, very hard. And I know, I've already heard about it. I know some of y'all was following me around on Friday, so I'm going to confess it. I went to 15 liquor stores on Friday trying to find one of these. So if you're going around showing people the picture, look at CTC Red. Not just look at this. Not this, that liquor store. Look, look, look. He was going to 15 liquor stores. I saw him going to 15. I'm telling you right now, I know. And I know what I carried out in that brown paper bag. I know what I carried out. So, but these are hard to get, but I found them. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So what would happen on these? These skins. Once they got used... When, when new wine, when wine goes into these skins, they would expand because they, it, the wine would ferment and they would expand and they would get to a level to where they did not burst, but they had expanded as far as they could go. And then over a period of time, of course, after the use, they got hard and brittle. If you was to pour new wine into an old wine skin, because it had already expanded as far as it can go, and because it became dry and brittle, if you pour new wine in an old wineskin, this wineskin would crack and burst, and you would lose the wineskin, and you would lose the wine, everything that you poured in it. So Jesus says you can't take new wine and put it in an old wineskin, because it would burst. Now for a moment, if you don't mind, I want you to picture yourself as a wineskin. Because what they would do, and, and to, to get these wineskins able to be used again, they would dip the wineskin, they would put the wineskins in water. And when they came out of water, they would put oil over them. And it would renew them. And then they were able to put new wine into a renewed wine skin. It wouldn't crack. It wouldn't burst. It wouldn't explode. It was able to contain the new. Are you following me? I want you for a moment to picture yourself as a wine skin, as an old wine skin, as a wine skin that's dry and brittle for whatever reason. Life, just life done things on you and, and, you've, and, and you've just been living the life that you were living and doing the things that you were doing. And you came to a place in your life where you realize the way I'm going about life is just not working. I want a new life. Listen to me. The person that you were when you lived this life cannot contain the new. There has to be a change on the inside. There has to be something different that takes place. 
because there's, you can't contain the wine. Now, I need to uh, just share with you a, 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 a little bit about, about how we are before the Lord. Because listen, even though we may be a little bit, dis- we'll be distorted in our thinking and even distorted in our behavior and even distorted in our speech. And just, just uh, the, the reformers use the word, which I like, depraved. Uh, every part of us has been affected by sin. But that doesn't mean that everything about you is bad. If, if, if God gave you talents, those talents that he gave you, even though you're, you're an old, brittle wineskin, those are still talents that he wants to use. And, and, and you're gifted, and, and even though you have those gifts from God in, some, in an old, brittle wineskin, it's still God, gifts that God gave you that he wants to use. And, and your personality. Uh, people who, there's people who don't know the Lord, and even you, before you, you knew the Lord, you had a good personality. People used to like to be around you. You were fun, you were creative, you would make people laugh, had humor. That personality, God gave you that personality, and that's good. He wants you to still have that personality. There's nothing about the personality that God is trying to change. It's the inside of you. The God part of you or the spirit part of you that has relationship and community with the almighty God who is holy who is righteous, who thinks good thoughts, who's a God of peace, a God of love, a God of joy. It's that part of you, that spirit in you that God says, I want to make new. Are you following me? It's that part of you. Now, there's a term we use in the Bible. Uh, well, let me, let me just say one other thing before I get to that, because talking about this old broken wine skin that we are, God loves you enough that he sent his son Jesus to die for old broken wineskins. You see, there's a movie I love, it's called Seabiscuit. And Bo Bridges is one of the characters and so is Chris Cooper. In the movie Seabiscuit, Bo Bridges is, deter- is, is uh, gonna be um, raising horses for racing or, or uh, training horses for racing, owning race, uh, race horses. He goes to this auction that's going on and there's a horse there that had ran earlier that day that had got crippled and lamed and, and uh, he was done. The owners, they knew that he wasn't gonna race anymore or had the thought he wasn't gonna race anymore. And so he gets auctioned off at a very low price. They start out at a price and it ends up going down, down, down. And finally, this old trainer uh, played by Chris Cooper, he buys the horse. Everybody else goes and does a celebrating over the horses that they got and Chris Cooper takes this horse and he's out in the woods and Bo Bridges sees the fire out there and he goes out there and when he gets to where this fire is, he sees Chris Cooper over the fire, but he looks in the distance and he saw that horse, the horse that nobody wanted to buy, that he bought. And he looks at the horse and the horse, he knows that the horse has, has issues and he looks at Chris Cooper and he says, why did you buy that horse? And Chris, Chris Cooper says, just because somebody's life is banged up, you don't just throw them away. See, just because your life is all banged up, God's not throwing you away. He's not throwing you away. He wants to renew you. He wants to make you new. We call it being born again. Now I'm to my message. Thanks for hanging in there. We call it being born again. Because see, remember what they would do with the wine skins? They would take the old wine skin and they would put it in water. And they would let the wine skin soak. 
And while the wineskin was soaking in water, then they would also take some oil and they would rub it on that wineskin. And that wineskin would become a fresh wineskin that would look like this, fresh and new. Now, let me tell you why I wanted you to picture yourself as an old wineskin. Because the only way for you to be born again, the only way that you can take on the new, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you this, that the wine represents the spirit of God. That, that the Holy Spirit wants to come in your life and change you and transform you. But, but, but see, the Holy Spirit is not going to come in the old vessel that you are. The Holy Spirit comes into the vessel that he's making you to be. And, and the scripture says that we're born of water and of spirit. Water also, the washing represents uh, uh, spirit baptism and also water baptism. I'm going to talk about that. And the wine represents uh, the spirit of God. The oil of anointing represents the spirit of God. Because this is what the scripture says that we to do. Jesus told Nicodemus, he says, don't marvel at this. I want you to be born again. He says, right now you're born of flesh. And all flesh can do is do things that flesh does. But I want you to do things of the spirit. And how do you do things of the spirit? You're born of water and of spirit. You're born again. The spirit of God comes in your life and makes you new. The spirit of God comes up on you and makes you new. Absolutely transforms your life. Now, I want you to catch this because there's two words for new in that passage that we read. The one word for new when it talks about new wine is the word neos, new wine, neos. The second word for new in that passage when it talks about wineskins, same word new in the English, but the Greek word is kainos. Listen, neos means new to you for the first time. Kainos means you've been renewed to be new. Now check this out, Jesus says, New wine is going to go into old wine skins and make them new. So let me tell you what Jesus is saying. The spirit of God that you have never experienced in this manner before. The Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Jesus, comes into your life. That's an experience that you have never had before. But that neos experience, where it's a new wine of the Holy Spirit, doesn't take this old person and just does, does away with them. The new wine comes in and takes that old person and renews him and makes him new. Am I talking to the right church? Now, I need to tell you something else about this water. Because this is what Paul also said, talking, about, talking to us that, was, that have been born again. It, the, the, the scriptures, and we know this, catch this. I know, you know, I hope you know from, from Bible truth that it is nothing, it's not baptism that saves you. You, you know you can, get, you can get baptized so many times that every, every tadpole in the creek knows your name. That's not what makes the change. What makes the change is a confession that you've given unto the Lord Jesus Christ that you surrender your life to him. But the scripture says this. When it talks about being born again, it talks about water and the spirit all throughout the book of Acts. It identifies that every one of us that, are, that have committed our life to Jesus need to be baptized. Because why do we need to be baptized? Because Paul said it, when you go through the waters of baptism, you rise to walk in the newness of life. 
There's, there's, a, there's an act there. There's an operation that goes on there. There's a statement that's being made by you to other people within you, outside of you, that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Born again, rising to walk in the newness of life. And it's not just a patch. Isaiah 61, and I believe it's Colossians chapter 2, and this might be on the screen. God gives us a new robe of righteousness. He covers us. He makes us new. We rise up to walk in the newness of life. There's an operation that goes on because my heart and my mind says, I am a new creature. When I go in that water, do I laugh the same in the water as I did before I got in the water? Sure. Is my humor the same? Sure. Do I like the same movies? Sure. You can go into that water with a nappy head, you coming out with a nappy head. You can go into that water pregnant, you coming out pregnant. You can go into that water with dark skin, you coming out with dark skin. It's not the external that he's dealing with, it's what's going on in the heart. It's what's going on in the mind. It's making you a new creature. Rise to walk in the newness of life. And then the things of God. You see, that's why so many people, that's why when you talk to folks that are unbelievers and some of the principles of faith and spiritual life seem so plain to you and you tell them to them and they say, I just don't get it. It's because they're still old wineskin. It's because they're still old wineskin. See, things made sense to you when your old wineskin got renewed. And now things make sense. Now you can look back on things and think, oh, now I get it. Now, let me just, uh, re- first of all, did any, y'all, y'all, y'all get that so far? Y'all, y'all, that, does, that, does that make sense? All right, now let me, let, me just, let me just say something about this and we'll call it a day. Um, Saints by four. Saints by four in Jesus' name. Let's just call it a day. Football people get it. Those who don't. All right. Um, the, the, uh, okay. 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 We're talking about Jesus for a minute, people. Can we just finish a church service? All right. So here, here's, here's the deal. You notice I read verse 39, and it's the verse Jesus talked about the new wine and the new wine skins. And then Jesus makes this statement in verse 39, which I'm going to tell you until I studied this for this message. All of my Christian life that I've been reading the Bible, I've read that and didn't quite get it until I took the time to see what Jesus was saying. Because Jesus said in verse 37, 38, you know, you need, uh, you need, you need to be a new wineskin so you can handle the new wine. He was telling the Pharisees, you know, no, I can't, can't take the new and, and, and put it on the old. You got to become new. And then in verse number 39, it almost seemed a little bit sarcastic because Jesus just said, but if you've tasted the, if you've tasted the new, you'll say that the old is better. And I wondered what was Jesus doing? And the language of it, uh, the Greek don't use the word sarcasm, but in our English understanding, Jesus was basically making a little bit of a sarcastic statement. And basically Jesus was saying this. He was saying, those of you that are listening to me who have seen me do miracles, you've seen me raise the dead, 
You've seen people who could never even enter the temple now going into the temple rejoicing and praising me. Since I've been here on earth, you've seen these 12 disciples who was once misfits now become devoted followers. You've seen the crowds get wider and wider and bigger and bigger. You've seen thousands fed by the miraculous stuff. In other words, he's saying, you've seen the new and you're still saying the old is better. Can I, how, how can you? How can anybody that knows what it's like to serve the almighty God who is the king of the planet and the Lord of life who keeps all of his promises, who's with us day after day, who tells us what he will do and fulfills his word, who protects us, who supplies for us, who gives me peace in the middle of the storm, who gives me joy in the midst of despair. How can anybody who've experienced Jesus say the old is better? How can you say the old is better? when it doesn't get no better than Jesus. It don't get no better than Jesus. And Revelation has a passage there where John is showing us through the help of Jesus what the end of all of this looks like. And I think this is gonna be on the screen also, but I I wanna read it to you. It's Revelation 21. He gives us a, a really good glimpse of what it is that we get to embrace when all of this is over. And the scriptures read it like this. Listen to what John is saying. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea also was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All those things are gone forever. What about this does not turn you on? I'm serious. I I am so glad it's not Washington, D.C. coming out of heaven. I'm so glad it's not Phoenix, Arizona coming out of heaven. I'm so glad it ain't Yuma, Arizona coming out of heaven where we still got fightings. and, And just like every city on the planet, I'm glad it's the planet, the earth, the new heaven that the almighty God has prepared for us. That's the new that we're looking forward to. The new, when he says there's no more crying, there's no more sorrow, there's no more weeping, that he wipes away our eyes. He says, look, I'm making everything new. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and omega. And he goes on to say this, that everyone that is victorious in him, everyone that's victorious in him, he says, all of these blessings belong to you. I will be your God and you will be my children. I'm here to tell you, it doesn't get any better than that. Just let him make you new. And everything that comes with being new, you get all of that and a bag of chips and a bowl of Briar's ice cream. All at the booth. Because you trusted in the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Stand if you would. We'll wrap this up. I do want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to, I want to, I want to address something again a little bit further and, uh, and just get an acknowledgement by hands and we'll follow up from there. But if your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I want to, you know, for a moment there, just a little bit, just describing something. I talked about water baptism and the importance of it. And, uh, and, and, and I just want you to, this is for me, so I can, I can see and we can follow up. But if you're here and you, you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you've made a commitment, you have asked him to be Lord of your life, but you have not yet been water baptized, would you just raise your hand? Just, you don't need to be ashamed. All right, bless you, bless you. Okay, all right, sir. God bless you. All right, all right, all right. All right, we're going to follow up with you. Thank you for for doing so and being honest we're going to follow up with you and and be sure that you have a full understanding of that great commitment you've made to jesus while your heads are bowed eyes are closed let me let me um just call for one more thing you i had you picturing yourself as the old wine skin and then i took you to what it means to be a new wine skin but some of you might have got left behind at the old wine skin because you haven't yet asked Christ to come into your life to make you new. You haven't experienced the Holy Spirit of God that gives you a new heart and a new mind. You haven't received that robe of righteousness that Jesus gives us because you just haven't yet made that commitment to say, I want Jesus as my Lord. I want a new life. I want a new life. And again, it doesn't mean that the old life is bad. There's a lot of things about life that are good that you enjoy. But you know you know in your heart and in your mind there's a dissatisfaction there's an emptiness there's something not settled you haven't come to that place of rest and that place of peace and simply put it's because you haven't trusted Jesus to fill you with that new wine and give you that life that he wants you to have but today you can make that commitment if you're here again you can just do it by showing of hands we'll We'll pray for you. But if you say, Pastor, listen, I, I'm, I'm that old wineskin and I want to be new. I want a new life. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you where you are. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. We celebrate that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer for the rest of us. Now the altar is going to be open after we pray. Some of you, some of you will be heading out. Some of you will be coming a little closer for worship. Some of you will be coming on up for prayer. And you can come for for healing. You can come if you want to just agree with somebody about a decision in your life or something happening. If you made a commitment to Jesus, you can come and let somebody know here. Or please stop by at the connect table. Let them know I made a commitment to Christ today. They'll help you from, uh, from that process on. Same with those of you who need to be baptized. You can let them know at the connect tables and they will help you from there. We celebrate with you. We rejoice with you. And we're glad Christ is going to become the center of your life. Father, we thank you. Uh, you've been good to us during our time together we've had an opportunity to sing we've had an opportunity to be in fellowship we've had an opportunity to be in worship we've had an opportunity to hear your word Lord I pray that the words that have been spoken that are intended for the hearer and I say that individually Lord God you want every one of us to hear something I pray that those words connect and your spirit Lord God will give birth to what you're giving birth to in the life of us that are hearing that are listening I thank you for those who, who, 
who was uh, courageous enough to say, I-, I haven't been baptized. I thank you for those, Lord God, who was wise enough and courageous enough to say, I want to make a commitment to Jesus. I'm so grateful for them. And pray, Lord God, that we're able to take them from that commitment on to a place where Christ is the center of their life. Lord, people will be coming for prayer for various things. We pray that you work mightily among the altar for healing. Lord, that you work, Lord God, to liberate, set people free, do amazing work as they come. And Lord, we thank you for giving us all an opportunity to glorify you. And we're going to leave this place magnifying your name. We want to show the love of Jesus in the world. We want to spread the word of God. We want to be lights and darkness and salt of the earth. Help us to do that. Lord, give us peace. May your face shine upon us. May you be gracious to us. May your countenance be upon us and give us peace. In Christ's name we pray. May the people of God say amen.